Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Great to see you guys again. It's Saturday. To where, where I'm at, the sun is shining. It's beautiful, uh, but we're stuck inside talking about emotional sobriety. But for me, that's not a bad thing. How, how are you guys doing? How's emotional sobriety hitting you today? Well, wait, let's let's deal with reality. By the time this show airs, you're going to be in Thailand. Yes, I'll be in Thailand. Yeah, so um, you're not <laughs> going to be in. So we're going to be whatever it is then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is one of those here and then shows. That's yes, right. it's a little like love. It's happening here, but it's going to be hosted right. there. Yeah, it's like the Tooth Fairy. Uh, so you can know, you project where you're going to be in three weeks. Let me see. I'll be. Um, I'll either be in three weeks. I'll be in Bangkok because I'm flying into Bangkok. Or no, in three weeks I'll be back here. Oh but, wow! Uh, in, in two weeks I will be in Bangkok again uh, to make my return. But while I'm in the country, I'm going to go to Chiang Mai, which is another big. Uh, you know, urban hub. And then there's um, Koh Samui is a beach in the south that uh, that is like kind of the, the beach. It's from that movie, The Beach with Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, hopefully I have a better outcome there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a great <laughs> trip. I'm really looking forward to it. You going with your dad? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, you know, the last time my dad and I took a trip together, it was in Mexico and I was a teenager a long time ago. And um we hadn't, you know, we we actually at the beginning of COVID, we were supposed to go to um, uh, Wuhan, <laughs> like right right as COVID uh, popped off, we were going oh, go wow. to go the, to the the the, uh, the den, the lion's den, uh, and luckily, I mean, not so luckily, we ended up losing some money on our reservations and whatnot. But I guess the lucky part is that we did not end up doing that trip. Didn't and, go, uh, yeah, yeah, we. Well, good thing you did. We could have blamed it on you. Exactly. I would have been patient zero. You know, I was I was the uh, capybara that started the whole hey, thing. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic with lots of lots of uh, lots of experience in being deceptive. If you give me a little time, we can come up with a way to still blame it on Patrick. Oh, That's I love good. it. <laughs> good creative narrative. Well, so this is just you and Maddie going. Oh, no, Maddie's uh, going to be holding down the fort with the cats. Oh, um, I'm just going oh. with my dad. Yeah, it's a. Oh, this is you, just you and your dad. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. even know that. I must have been sleeping. Father-son Father, sojourn. into That's a beautiful thing. The, I'm grateful. And I'm not going to be hammered through any of it. So uh, I'll, I'll be able to remember anything, uh, God willing. God willing. Quite a wonderful contrast, isn't it? Oh, God. Yeah. I wouldn't have yeah. been, I wouldn't have been able to. Uh, I've actually, uh, in the past, I've gone out with my dad to see live music and mm -hmm just a kind of abandon him to go find the bar and then mm -hmm. somehow just end up elsewhere. That is a thing that used to happen. And uh, yeah. a lot, of, I have a lot of shame about that. I was not very present in our, uh, in our well, father -son a, relationship. It's, that's a great, that's a very great and very concrete uh, 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 example of just the, the, when you're, when you're, we're lost in whatever addiction we have, whatever we're, we have a different value system where we're off. Well, we don't have a different value system. We're operating out of a different value system. So you were, you were, you know, you, your uh, behavioral value system was different from your, your uh, authentic actual value system. You were there with your dad, but uh, your addiction was saying, yeah, we got, we got, we got to go get something. We can get something to drink. What an asshole that addiction. Don't like him. Ah, no kidding. But we have these programs in us. I don't even think they're aspects of us. They're like our these little programs in us that are so narcissistic. 
that are just basically it is their way and that's all it's not even their way or the highway it's just their perception their way to do it and they operate inside otherwise good people and that's not to make an excuse for us because it's our job to to uh, you know to recover from that but it, it's like it's amazing when we look back and see how we have violated our own value system in ways that are just horrifying the way i could tie this together is out of all the amends that i made um maybe a year in uh to my recovery the, the amends i made to my dad is one of the few that came with a request which is basically you need to start showing up for the other people in your life you need to start showing showing up for yourself um there was a kind of there was steel beneath the gratitude when I made my amends, and uh, that has stayed with me. But, you know, you gave a great example of something to make amends for is what would happen when you guys would go out together. One of the things that I think is important in terms of emotional sobriety is to get to a place where we're most of the time living with a quiet mind and a calm heart, you know, in yes. that serenity, right? It's in, in, mm -hmm. we talk about it right that we're looking for a kind of that peace now it doesn't mean that we need to live there all the time it's just that it's 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 very important for us to be able to have those moments in our life and 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 not to the exclusion of other experiences of of excitement or of pain or sadness all of that is a part of being human but what we're talking about now is resolving things so that when we sit and we're quiet, we're not torn to pieces. So when there's unfinished business in our life, there is no quiet. There's a different home base. There's a different, our baseline even. This is a good, good way of tying it into emotional sobriety because certainly that has not been stopped with, with our sobriety, with our, with our behavioral sobriety. The idea is there could still easily be time, three times in my life today where if I'm paying attention, when when when, the, when things are quiet on the outside, they're not quiet on the inside. Yeah, and, and I love what you said about quiet mind and calm heart. It's like that's a great thing. It's it's not and important not to beat ourselves up with it, but to check where am I with that? And it's and it's going to be a continuum, of course, like all things are. That's right. And see, that's part of who we are as a human yeah. being is that the issues that are unresolved in your life will push forward. They will emerge in your consciousness requesting yep. completion. They're saying, look, this needs to be resolved. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm uncomfortable with what happened. I'm uncomfortable with how this went down. Now our consciousness before the way that we thought of resolving things was figuring out who was to blame and making them responsible for how we're feeling. I mean, right. that's, that's, that was the game we played before with our emotional dependency. We never right. finding a way to, to push away or to cover up the distress. There just, it is. Well, it, which is, this is the place where we, we can pinpoint the, the word sobriety in both just our behavioral sobriety, our, our alcohol and our, our three cases, our alcohol, drug addiction, sobriety, and our emotional sobriety, our tendency to want to either run or run or hide from that distress does not change just because we're sober. That's right. You know, That's we're right. still, and we're, so emotional sobriety is really owning fully the responsibility to, to say how you said that, because there was something I, I'd never heard before. When, when, when we're quiet, when we were quiet, then our un, unresolved issues 
they what? emerge right sometimes from right. our unconscious and they are requesting that's us. it that's it oh <laughs> beautiful oh request. i mean that's a that's Please. a beautiful it's a subtle but it's a very big reframe you're not pounding on me you're not getting in my way you're not creating problems in my life you're making a request my yeah. unresolved issues are asking that i do something they want to so true yeah this this guy this psychologist Zygernark, he he observed this in terms of test taking so when you take a test when you walk out of a test what do you think about can you think about the ones you got right you, you thought, think uh, about the ones that are incomplete the ones you missed or you made a mistake on and you start obsessing over those things because it's unfinished business. Now, the more of that unfinished business we have in our life, the less energy is available for right now. Let me say it again. The more unfinished business, the more internal conflict I have. Tom and I like to talk about you know, self-part dialogues, right? And bringing these disharmonious parts of ourselves into harmony. What's the reason for that is because then we are now able to have more of ourself available to deal with life. Right. Same thing goes on here with unfinished business. The more unfinished business I have, the more energy it's like, you know, it's an energy suck, right? It's just pulling the energy out of our life to manage the tension around this unfinished business. And so when we resolve these things, then we have more of us available to deal with right now. And, and I love to think the of more, more unfinished business, the less energy I have for myself now. That's right. And I like to think of emotional sobriety as all hands on deck. I need every part of me <laughs> to, to, join, to join in this, 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 this experience called life, right? To join mm -hmm. in my in my adventure in life to be able to cope with it the best I can. But when I fracture myself and don't resolve these things, it's I'm limping through life. I'm only bringing part of me to the present moment. And, and you know what, this, this ties into to something that I've, that, you know, one of the things that's, that's, uh, that is a pet peeve of mine is when people are talking about uh, athletes do this a lot, they go, I'm going to give 110%. Uh, you know, it's like, 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 you know what, you're ruining the whole damn metaphor there. It's like, you don't have 110%. It's like the whole thing about having 100% of, of anything at any time is it forces us to choose what we do, you, you, I can't just have, you know, it's like, I can't give, you know, 90% of my income away and, and say, well, I need some extra. So now I'm going to give myself 40% more. It's like, I can't do that. It's the energy is the same thing. So I like, the, because the choice, the, the forced choice, a hundred percent gives us is about value system. And that's what you're describing intra intrapersonally, you know, and I need to take, I need to take a look at that. And if I've, and I've got 25% over here, this, this, hanging out and just, and, and with the reframe you're saying really requesting, and maybe for me, because I am slow to listen, uh, or stubborn to listen is maybe insisting sometimes that I do something about this unfinished business, then that's 25% that basically is just going to be spent there until I do something. But when I do it, I free the energy. Yes. There's absolutely been a release of energy from all the amends I've made. Um, even just now, the ability to sit here and um, 
kind of bat a little bit above my average in talking to you guys and kind of creating content for people that we hope uh, will have, you know, some uh, some palliative effect, you know, to their recovery or like broaden their understanding of uh, these concepts. I uh, really needed, I think, to kind of get on the wire and um, own all of the mis mistakes and the slights I'd, I'd done against people and the wreckage that I caused. And, um, and you know, there were new ones falling out of the woodwork. Uh, after I made my initial amends, I'd remember things that, uh, you know, uh, the wreckage that I'd caused that then, you know. That doesn't and, stop, by the way, Patrick. I, I'm, 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 you know, yeah. Al is farther along than I am, but I'm I'm 37 year, years in, I'm 69 years old, and I still will have those times where I go, oh, shit. You know, and I'll and I'll think about somebody in some situation in which I go like, "There's more to do." Well, yeah, I but that's, that's you but it's a part of the about, practice. Yeah, I appreciate what you talked about, what you picked up with what Roger said about, you know, how we um, encourage people to compromise themselves, right? So God, that was not that power. Oh yeah, no, that was that was. I thought you had that was an incredible contribution to Thursday night. Um, but look, what you're saying, too, is that so, Patrick, I, I want to make sure that we're making clear we're not bad people trying to become good people. Right. I said this on Thursday night. This is so important that we understand what the mission is here is to take responsibility. We're trying to have more agency in our life. We're trying to to be more of what we can be is the way Bill says it. And, the, and, and one of the things that is possible for us as human beings is to integrate our experiences. Integration is a, an essential part of who we are. And that's why these things call forth and request to be addressed, because there's a part of us that is constantly moving towards wholeness. And those things that are keeping us from being whole are going to emerge in our consciousness to give us an opportunity to get out of our way so we can integrate them. So we can start putting, you know, it's Humpty Dumpty therapy, right? Mm -hmm. You know, putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. That's mm -hmm. how I think about it. And so, the, and there's, there's a wonderful opportunity here in making amends. You know, at the end of the last show, I was mentioning to you guys that, that I married a childhood sweetheart. She was my first wife. Mm -hmm. uh, I met her when we were 16. I mean, I was so, so enamored with her. She was as cute as can be. And, and we got together. And I mean, I created this drama at Robert Square Park where these two parks were going to fight over her. I mean, it was an unbelievable scene. And then I disappeared to the Marine Corps, right? After this whole mm -hmm. thing blew up, right? And so I I wrote to her a few times from Vietnam. And then I came back and I got into this field, right? Into counseling and stuff. And, uh, and back in 1970, either four, I think 73 or 74, probably 74, the Association for Humanistic Psychology had a big um annual conference and it would happen to be in chicago and that's where denise lived mm -hmm. and so when i went back there i'm hanging out downtown this conference was amazing by the way mm -hmm. this was at the height of all of the human potential movement and wow. i mean the workshops were amazing so i decided to go in town 
my old neighborhood see if I could see if Denise was around and just say hi to her right so I go to her house and I see there was a light up in her room and I'm I'm ringing the doorbell I'm tossing stones up to her window to try yeah. to well she was just breaking up with a guy and she thought she was being stalked by him <laughs> so, so she <laughs> answered right but I left I said hey listen Denise I'm in town I'm at this hotel give me a call if you'd like to get together for lunch or something like that mm -hmm. so she did and we connected and we rekindled our relationship and a couple years later we got married in California she moved out there went to school anyway to make a long story short the relationship ended and it didn't end in a great way mm -hmm. I don't want to go into details I don't want to break her you know confidence and stuff like that and what went on but I really did not deal with the ending of that in any way I could feel good about myself mm -hmm. um I was very focused on protecting myself worrying about my needs and totally lost sight of her completely never realizing to what extent I had done so so about four months ago I reached out to her she you know every so every now and again she'll reach out to me and say how are you doing you know I still think about when we met and all these kinds of things and kind of we we you know go back and kind of reminisce nostalgia right and yeah. um so about four months ago I said you know I realized I've never made amends to you for what happened at the end of our marriage and I owe you an amends and I'm so sorry and I said all this stuff and then I don't know what I was doing at the end and I said but you know there were some times that you pissed me off too she got so pissed off at me she comes back and says you were pissed off let me tell you what I went through uh oh she laid out to me what happened to her after the way I left and after I left and what it meant to her she was devastated she felt so betrayed so abandoned to the degree that I never ever wrapped my head wow. around I didn't want to see it and right. so finally she shared all that with me because I reached out because we're doing step eight again right mm -hmm. so I reached out to her and says you know I know you got upset with me and I didn't you know I, I I was way off you know I didn't mean to say that in any way what you did was responsible for how I behaved I was wrong and she says well let me tell you the ways you were wrong and she laid them out again even more in detail and stuff and I was able to just say to her oh my god that was horrible I'm I'm you know I was so wrong to do that to you you didn't deserve it and my god I didn't realize that it was so important for me to clean up you know and make amends to her which at the end of it she says you know I've got to tell you this means so much to me. I feel so uplifted in terms of my spirit. I've been holding on to this for, well, that was 1979. Mm -hmm. In a long time, man. Long time. So not only do I did I get resolved on this and, you know, can feel more peace with myself over it, but it really meant so much to her. And that's what we say, right? We even Bill says it, is that if we practice these principles in our daily affairs that we and those about us begin to find emotional sobriety yeah 
you know, she benefited from that, but you benefited even more oh, yeah. from, from, from what you had intended to do. And this is a mistake that I think so many of us make. And that is that, that, uh, and maybe I'm, maybe you know, that, that whenever I say that, that may well be me saying this is a mistake I have made and I have made it many times in my life. Beware of the pseudo apology, you know, yeah. uh, and listen, I apologize to you for so-and-so and so-and-so. You know, and then and then they say, "Oh yeah, well, I'm glad you did because I'm really pissed off." And I you did, and I go like, "Wait a minute, what are you talking about? I just apologized." You know, in this case, it's I just made amends. But no, a, tr a true apology is one in which if I apologize to to Patrick, if I apologize to you for something that I did and that, that hurt you, then you say, "I I I'm I'm glad you've done that. You've apologized. I appreciate you acknowledging it, and I really am really upset with you." And I respond by saying, I understand that. And I hope that maybe you, there'll be a time when you can forgive me, but I understand why, why you're upset. And that's it. It's it's like, it's you know, because too often we do this with apologies. And I think people in the program have done this too often with amends is, is the amend is, is there to get some kind of reassurance for themselves. Uh, you know, and, and that, and I learned, I, I learned from a wonderful man who, who taught me that that is not what it is about. It's like, it is not about getting that for you. You're getting something for yourself because you're getting exactly what you're describing on the front end of this, this podcast, Alan, you're getting that energy back. You're getting right. that energy because you've done what you need to do. And that's where, that's where our self-esteem comes from. That's, that's where our sense of self comes from. Mm -hmm. You neither defended nor did you counter aggress. You, you stood there and you listened you open, you didn't close down. You didn't run from it. You didn't, you know, there was no fight, flight, or freeze. You, you, you actually just listened to her. And I think one of the hardest things that there, there is for us to do emotionally or for our, at least for our egos to do is to listen to somebody talk to us honestly about ways that we have, have, have in, 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 inflicted harm for them and for us just to be able to, to hear it, acknowledge it. And that's what you did. Yes. And it's healing. It's healing. Oh, I'll tell you, man, I, I you know, and, and what I felt in that, and I think that this is an important thing, too. I felt a lot of sorrow. I mean, I was able to really empathize with her, Tom, because I wasn't defending myself. I could really, really sense what that meant to her and yeah. how much she was hurt and how shitty my behavior was. And it really was. I mean, it really... Well, huh. sor sorrow is is a sane response to that. Yes, I mean that's that's congruent. Sanity is to me. It's, sanity most often is defined as congruence. Am I yeah. feeling something that that matches what the situation is? And yes, we we you know, and we'll process it. We'll get through it. You won't you won't live in sorrow for the rest of your life about that. But yeah. sorrow itself, emotions themselves are not problems. You know, they're, they're, they're feelings that we need to process. All they want to I'll tell people, all they want to do is come through, you know, right. and, we, and we, and we, and we just block them every, every, which way we can. And guess, and ironically, we block the feelings that we are the most uncomfortable with. So therefore we build them up. But, well, you know, it's funny earlier, I was just doing this workshop with Herb and we were talking about our, our level of consciousness, right. And how it changes, especially mm -hmm. with emotional sobriety. And that's so true. My level of consciousness really before back then was so base. I mean, oh, oh, it yeah. was so based on this whole thing of it's about feeling good. Mm -hmm. It's all about just feeling good. 
and I was so hedonistic. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, that was the, that was the guiding principle in my life. That was my true Mm -hmm. North. That was my guiding star. You know, if it feels good, do it. If it doesn't run from it as fast as you can. Well, and and part of that hedonistic uh, part is is also lack total lack of awareness that you are that way because that's that's yeah. one of the things I also said on the Thursday night. That's right. Um, by the way, people listening are not not joining us on Thursday night. Please join us. These these oh, yeah. conversations just get get better and better, in my opinion. And and it's almost it's almost it's a little bit like group therapy, you know, with, with the with the four of us uh, talking. Sometimes I think it's like one of us it, it, things you bring you guys bring up just tap into stuff that I'm talking about. But but that was one of the things I was saying when we were talking about the yeah. the eighth step the other night, which which was I'm amazed. I you know, and I have been for a long time. I'm amazed when I look back and see you know the way that I how how hedonistic I was, how selfish I was, and and how mostly how unaware I was of that, that I still saw myself as the white hat. I see it, saw myself as the good guy. You know, it's not like I was secretly going, you know, you know, twisting my mustache and in my villainous way saying, you know, ha ha ha, you know, it's like, no, I, you know, of course, who, who do we con the most in all of our, our, our internal bullshit? It's ourselves. And we were thinking we were good guys. I say that to everyone, Tom, I said, before you gaslighted anybody else in your life, you gaslighted yourself first. Boy, like, like nobody's business, man. <laughs> That's true. We're always drifting towards wholeness, but I would be foolish to assume that I'll ever fully arrive. It's it's a process and it's a yeah. lifelong process. But I don't want anybody to hear that as a defeatist idea. No, no. no. It's, just, it's just humility, right? It's just right. understanding that... That's our, that's the path that we want to take. You're right. We're going to be integrating stuff the rest of our life. Mm -hmm. That's part of our purpose in life is to integrate. We started doing that early on in our life. It's a major, major force in our development. Yeah. What I'd say is I hope to be doing that on the day that I just drop off the planet, looking in a healthy way for for ways that we can improve. Well, uh, until next time. Sounds good. Change your life. Change your myth Cultivate your narrative With whomever you're with Then with glass in hand And children on one knee Bring some stories Bring your stories Back to me It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else So here's to us, my old friends Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children on me Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me